Hey there, welcome to Interior Castle, real conversations on the joys and struggles of imperfection. My name is Mimi and I'm joined by my two friends Irene and Roz. Together we share our stories, laughs and lessons in the hopes of encouraging others to live their faith authentically. So buckle in and come join us on this crazy ride to heaven. Alrighty, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to this week's episode. Um, we have a special, special guest with us. Um, he, yeah, I know. I was super excited to introduce him. Um, but anyway, before we begin, um, this episode's like obviously one that touches our hearts um, quite quite deeply Um, and so this is why we've pulled in an expert (laughs) in today's topic which is perfectionism um so today before before we introduce him um he is an absolute sass queen if i can describe him in that way he's always got (laughs) a punchy line to say and he's an absolute uh, badass and Adelaide are incredibly, incredibly lucky uh, to have him. Although because he was formed in Sydney, I do like to take credit for his formation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, I mean. And without further ado, I'd love to introduce Father Peter Swans from Adelaide. Woo! So Father, we're so we're so happy to have you here with us. Um Thanks, Irene. It's, it's this- a pleasure. <laughs> well, look, I, I just, I just, I'll just give you one word of warning. If you're willing to take the credit, then you also need to take the blame. Ooh. So brace yourself. <laughs> you're in. Nice. See, see what I mean, everyone. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Th- th- this could go anywhere. Can't get away. <laughs> uh, 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 mind you, um, I've got no comeback to Sass Queen. I'll, I'll give you that. Mm, that that one kind nice. of floored me. <laughs> I think I saw his face and it was like stunned. It's just perfect, eh? Anyway, Father, um, so tell us a little bit about yourselves for for those of our listeners who don't know you. Um, tell us a little about a bit a little bit about your story about how you became a priest or you know what's your favorite part of being a priest. So yeah, I'll yeah, let you take the sure. reins. Okie dokie. Well, thanks for the reins. Um, and I, I've I've been itching to say this like. Ever since you know, I knew I was coming on this podcast, <laughs> it is a pleasure to be buckled in on this crazy <laughs> ride. Good one. I'm really thrilled. Wow. Oh my wow. God. Well, how long did it take for you to right, uh, now, to now that, that father, How long did you wait? <laughs> oh man, I've just been itching. I've, I've actually got it written down. That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh dear. I want to I want to make sure that that's in oh. your podcast. Yeah, that's a challenge for you. I'll, I'll 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 drop the I'll drop the line it'll be a little easter egg oh. there for you. Um okay. All right. <laughs> nice. let, let let's get down to business, hey. No more of this um sass queen stuff. Um so I've I've been a I've been a priest for 9 years um and uh, ordained a, a diocesan priest for the Archdiocese of Adelaide. Um and mm. right now I'm the parish priest of um Brooklyn Park Richmond which um if you know Adelaide not far from the airport. Um and uh, I'm also the vocations director for the Archdiocese of Adelaide. Um yeah, look, it's been 9 years since my ordination and um wow. I I got to say I I've just been having a ball. Um, especially, especially in my present parish, I, I don't know that I should be having this much fun, but there you go. <laughs> um, you know why you're having so much fun because you've got like wonderful people there. I, I, I do, I do. I'm, I'm greatly aided by the support of uh, the likes of Rosalind. Um, 
wonderful visitors that come to your parish as well, right? Yeah. Interstate visitors. Interstate people. <laughs> not lately. <laughs> yeah, like, not lately. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, um, so I... Uh, I've been ordained nine years, and um, before that, I was um, in the seminary, uh, as Irene mentioned. <laughs> um, four years I was in Sydney in Good Shepherd, yeah. uh, and uh, then after that, four years in Rome um, to finish off my studies. Oh. Um, so, yeah, look, but i, I got to say, like, my, my vocation, um, it really was very deeply shaped um, by the example of um, Pope John Paul II. Wow. And, um, in fact, it was at World Youth Day mm. in Toronto that, you know, I, I really, you know, heard God's call um, most powerfully. Mm. Act- actually, during the homily when, when um, uh, Pope John Paul II was preaching. And, uh, yeah, that was the moment when my heart really sort of stirred. Wow. Do you, remember what the homily, what God- Do you remember what the homily was, Father? Oh, 100%. 100%. So, um, he, th- so this was in 2002, right? Mm, um, and in 2001 mm. was when the, the, the sexual abuse crisis was really hitting the United States mm. hard. Oh, and yeah. um, World Youth Day was in Toronto and Canada, so, you know, just over the border and all of that was going on. And, um, you know, the Pope made a bit of a reference to it, a kind of, you know, sort of oblique reference. And he said, look, you know, stay close to your priests because they're there to serve you. Um, And then he went on and he said, if any of you feel that Christ is calling you, he said, don't be afraid to follow him along the royal road of the cross. Um, And you know what? It it was at that moment that, you know, something moved in my heart. And I really understood that that was the invitation that that Christ was giving me. And it was weird because I I knew it wasn't a command. It wasn't a you will do this, but a real invitation of, you know, will you follow me? Mm. Um, I later found out that... um, that John Paul was actually quoting um, the imitation of Christ, mm. um, Thomas Akempis, um, and and he's he's you know very big on you know the the idea of the cross and, and following in in the imitation of Christ and um, yeah I think that's something that's really sort of you know shaped my shaped my priestly ministry and and um, the example of John Paul II is always like close by. Oh gosh, wow, that was so profound. Um, anyway, I thought I'd just move on now to our actual topic of today. Yeah, probably um, prob- should get into it. <laughs> oh, man. It's been too good. Um, so I guess perfectionism, um, just for the sake of our listeners, I think what we mean by perfectionism would be simply an addiction to control and a refusal to accept imperfection in some human endeavour. And I think we need to make a, a distinction between perfectionism and perfecting. Because I know, Father, like maybe you can help us out with this. In the Bible, it says, um, you know, be perfect as your heavenly mm. Father is perfect. So, how, what is, and I'll pose it to all three of you, what do you think is the difference between perfectionism? And something that we really, really struggle and gripe with, and you know, this the use of the same word in scripture. You know, can, can it be something that's quite confusing? Um, you know, we wrap ourselves in when it says in the scriptures, like, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." How do we, you know, rebut that or refute that in our mind or understand it more holistically? Well, look, I, I think, I think it's actually really important. Uh, an important distinction to make because, of course, you know, Jesus does tell us, look, be perfect, you know. Mm. Don't take your foot off the accelerator. You really need to be striving. Um, And I think, uh, firstly, there's a very important, you know, injunction that's made on us towards excellence, 
you know? Don't be satisfied with mediocrity. That Actually, that was a line that JP2 used all the time. Mm. Don't be satisfied with mediocrity. Like, why do you think that's enough? No, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Mm. But here's the interesting thing, right? I think when we hear the word perfectionism, you know, as, as something uh, that we, you know, sort of you know, recognised perhaps as a trait within some, um, maybe even a, a trait within ourselves, um, that we think that that's something that applies to people who are high achievers. And it's not. Mm. It's not necessarily. You see, yeah. perfectionism... Yeah, no, see, perfectionism can be something that actually cripples you and stops you from doing anything, you yes. know? Yep. I'm, yes. I'm, so, I'm so held captive by the need for something to be perfect that mm-hmm. I won't do it. You know, so I, I think there's firstly that distinction that needs to be made. Look, perfectionism doesn't mean that you don't strive for excellence. Yeah. But, but what, what is the problem of perfectionism, you know? Well, that striving for excellence can be something that's, you know, kind of marked by, uh, brace yourself, um, pride, Mm. That's the problem. That's where yeah. that's where perfectionism becomes something problematic and becomes a, a little bit toxic, because you know if I'm constantly concerned about how other people view me, and how other mm-hmm. people are going to judge, you know, mm. the quality of my work or the contribution that I make, then my eye is always going to be on them, as mm-hmm. opposed to what it is that I'm actually accomplishing and doing. How am I being viewed? How am I being judged? How am I being measured? You know, am I going up in other people's estimation? Am I going down in other people's estimation? Um, It's that constant problem of, um, you know, measuring and calculating and comparison. I tell you what, it's exhausting. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if if you take all of that mental effort and energy and apply it to just doing what you need to do, and, you know, forget everyone else, like, you'll probably actually be further down the road. But that's the problem of, of perfectionism. Um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking at the way in which, you know, my excellence is being judged by others. Um, and and that's, where, that's where it is a, a bit of an addiction. Um, so we, we, can, we can talk more about it, but, you know, I'll, I'll throw it over to you guys. I mean, does, does that kind of ring true for you? Yeah, I think, um, Father, as you were speaking, it really made me reflect on how, for me, it's almost like it's a zero to a hundred kind of spectrum. Mm. So if I'm going to do something, Mm. I want to do it perfectly. Um, And if in my head I have a doubt, I'd rather not do it at all. Mm. Mm. And and I'd rather, I don't want to fail, you know, like if I'm going to do it, I want to do it to a hundred percent. I want to be perfect. But if I know that there's a chance of me not doing it well, then I'd, I'm not going to even try. And the times where I have attempted it and I've fallen short to my own expectation, Mm. I end up beating myself up over it. You know, like, oh, I should have done better. Like, you know, and I end up being my worst critic, Mm. you know. And Mm. um, there's, and I think that's so harmful and it's so toxic um, for us to live in that way where we're constantly beating ourselves up or it's that mentality of it's zero to a hundred or nothing at all kind of thing, you know? Mm, mm. Um, and, and what I've even realized as I kind of open up this topic within my own life mm. is realizing that I use my own standard to judge other people based on how I judge myself. Yeah. You know, so and true. so I become super critique and the girls have definitely been on the receiving end of this <laughs> where, you know, um, 
I would expect them to do certain things the way that I would be doing it. Um, and I would feel a bit more, you know, disappointed or a bit antsy if things don't go according to my way of perfectionism, you know? Um, so I definitely think that is so, so true in my life. So Mimi's a choleric. Yes. Um, tune into episode six. <laughs> I know. And you know what? And I think it's and it's definitely strong in cholerics. Like perfectionism is definitely one of the weak weakness weaknesses of um, a choleric. So um, it's something that I constantly have to be aware of and constantly trying to push down and try to fight that pride with prayer for more humility and more, you know, awareness. <laughs> awareness. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess with myself, um, I'm actually, I think for me, I'm definitely much more on the hard side of myself. I'm definitely much more harsh and I don't, I'm probably on that spectrum of, I've got so much pride that I'm, I'm so hard on myself that I'm not, I'm actually just becoming really impatient with myself that I can't, I feel like I'm not achieving where I should be achieving um, what father was saying about that, a lot of that comparison. Um, and often I always keep rationalizing my, my failures and I keep wallowing them. And I don't seem to like get out of that. That's, I guess that spell of, um, that it's okay to accept, um, God's forgiveness and God's mercy. Um, when things are probably, you know, aren't, aren't the way the things that you want them to be with you or with wherever you're at. Um, and I guess it's that matter of just being able to accept God's mercy and that, you know, that mercy for myself, not just once, but again and again and again. Um, and it's, yeah, just like forgiveness for myself. Like it's okay to not fear failure. Mm. And look, you're right. You're right, Roz. I think there's, there's a real sadness that pride brings about. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we, we kind of think that, uh, like, we, we take a secret pleasure in a lot of sins, right? And there are a lot of our faults that we, we mm. do because, like, there's some kind of payoff to it. But the trouble with pride <laughs> is that there's actually no payoff. All it does is bring misery um, because yeah. it puts us in that space of competition um, yes. with one another, but also competition, also competition with God, right? Yeah. Mm. So here, here's here's the funny thing, right? You know, um, humility. I think this is uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, right? Humility is having a passionate love for the truth about yourself. I think if you kind of, mm. yeah, if you let that sink in into your heart, um, it becomes incredibly freeing. It's like you know what. I got me some strengths. I've got me some weaknesses. And where I have strengths, I give praise and thanks to God. Where I have weaknesses, I got to turn to him for help. Mm. I need to depend on him. I need to ask him for grace. And, and here's the thing, like so often with perfectionism, when we're dealing with our weaknesses, we actually don't even want to start, uh, you know, doing a project that might actually touch one of our weaknesses because we'd actually have to acknowledge yeah. that you that actually, you know hard. what? I, I don't even I don't even want to go there because mm. I know that it's going to come out imperfect. <laughs> but what what's kind of poking down in the bottom of our sort of you know dark little souls is this? Mm. But I I don't want to have to ask God for help. 
You know, I don't want to have to rely on him. I need to be so well put together that I can do it without him. And it becomes a kind of, um, I don't know, warped view, I suppose, mm-hmm. of, of perfection, which becomes a which is a kind of perfection that actually seeks independence from God. You know what, Lord? Mm. I'm going to be so well put together that I actually don't need you anymore. You know, mm. I don't need your grace because you know what, Lord? I got this. Um, and I think that's mm. where, you know, your, your sort of earlier definition, Irene, about perfectionism as, as sort of mm. being an addiction to control is, yes. is actually pretty good, right? Because, you know, I, I don't want to have to confront the weaknesses mm. where I actually need help wow. um, because I, I don't want to be the kind of person who's dependent on God. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I suppose at some level we, we probably need to uncover a, a bit of a lie that, that we can really harbour, uh, mm-hmm. like especially as, as Catholics and Christians who are, you know, presumably at least, you know, sort of striving for holiness, mm-hmm. that, you know, we can, we can be working under the impression that my goal here is to be so well put together that I can say to God, job's done, you know, I'm complete, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm completely self-sufficient. And it's like, wait, what? Hang on a second. That's actually the very opposite of what holiness is. You know, you want to be so well put together and independent and perfect that you don't need mm-hmm. God's grace. Uh, you want to know what that looks like. That looks like hell, mm. <laughs> you know. Mm. And, and here's, here's where you kind of get into, a, you know, a bit of a... A bit of a paradox, I think, that you know what? It turns out that our weaknesses become the very path to holiness. <laughs> because it's in our weaknesses that we learn how to depend upon God and how we learn to receive His grace. And the irony then is that our weaknesses become mm-hmm. the very thing which sanctify us. But in our pride, we're running away from it. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to deal with it. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll happily play in the you know sand pit where I've got the bucket and spade, and I can make a nice little sandcastle. But when, <laughs> but when, but when I'm struggling, uh, you know what? Like I'll, I'll take I'll take my bucket and my pail. And I'll go home. You know, I'd, ra- I'd rather not engage with it. Wow. And yeah, Father. Wow. What you mm. just. What you just said now, it ref- it's in reference to Corinthians, right? Like, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made mm. perfect in weakness. And that just lit me up <laughs> because what is perfectionism? Perfectionism is when we want 100% control over our life. And spiritual mm. perfectionism is we want 100% control over our relationship with God, where we don't give God permission mm. to be in that relationship with us because we want total control Mm. um and Mm. the important and i think what you just said there is the importance of grace right so for us to Mm. surrender we were talking about surrender in the last episode i think um and for us to surrender means we need to be okay with our weaknesses and to rely on god's grace and say that you know what my my plans aren't going to go according to the way that i have it planned Mm. um and that's okay because god will move in those spaces where i can't fill them and that scripture verse just has a totally different new meaning to me now you know like we need to rely on god's grace because he knows that we can't do it alone or else 
why else would Jesus come down and die for us? Mm. You know, there would be no reason for him to come if we can be holy on our own. You know, and I was like, oh, that just hits yeah. me right there <laughs> yeah. in the heart. And just remind myself all the times I've been so proud of asking God for help, knowing that I can't yeah. do it. On my own. Well, you, you know, it's it's funny mm. that you mentioned that um, passage from um, 2 Corinthians, because like I, I got the scriptures out. Because um, it's the very thing that I actually wanted to talk about, <laughs> so I've got to open it. Hey, <laughs> nice. <Holy> yeah. Spirit. <laughs> yeah, that's a spirit snap right there. Um, but um, let me let me read it to you, right? So this is um, uh, two Corinthians twelve, um, starting at verse seven. To stop me from getting too proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to beat me and stop me from getting too proud. About this thing, I have pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me. But he has said, my grace is enough for you. My power is at its best in weakness. So I shall be very happy to make my weaknesses my special boast, so that the power of Christ may stay over me. And that is why I'm quite content with my weaknesses and with insults, hardships, persecutions, and the agonies I go through for Christ's sake. For it is when I am weak that I am strong, right? Okay, so Paul talks about having this thorn in the flesh. Um, now, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a euphemism. Um, he's talking about some mm. kind of weakness or affliction that he's having to undergo. Um, and, you know, scripture scholars sort of speculate as to what that might be. Um, some suggested maybe Paul was, you know, getting bad eyesight and he was, you know, sort of trying to write all these letters uh, and that there was this great frustration that he's going, look, Lord, I'm trying to do your work, but this is holding me back, right? Some have suggested that it was probably Paul's temper. Um, and when you read his letters, like, Paul's a fiery bloke, right? And he's like, I've got this temper and it keeps getting in my way. Like, this is a real weakness for me. Um, you know, others have suggested that, you know, maybe there's some kind of moral flaw that, you know, Paul was, Paul was dealing with. But whatever it is, it's a problem for him. And it's a persistent problem. It's a real weakness that he's referring to. And he says, look, I prayed three times which is Bible code, right? That's like, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, you know, and I'm, st I'm still yeah. stuck with this thorn in the flesh, you know, and mm -hmm. like it doesn't make any kind of sense to me. Like, Lord, this is actually holding me back from doing what it is that you want me to do. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Why aren't you helping me? Why isn't mm -hmm. this getting any better? Yeah. And it's at that point that he gets this, this revelation. It's like, well, mate, <laughs> my grace is enough for you. Like, what are you what are you whining about? Mm. Are you are you trying to make yourself such that you don't need my grace? Mm. You know, Ooh. are you trying to become mm. so perfectly strong mm. that all it does is feed your pride? Dang. No, 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 no. Mm. This thorn in the flesh is the very thing that's going to give you humility. And and here's the thing, like that's a far greater mm. gift than the removal of the thorn in the flesh. Because it's humility that actually makes you cling to Christ. Like, remember what Bernard of Clairvaux said, right? Humility yeah. is having a passionate yeah. love for the truth about yourself. And the truth about myself is that I need him. Mm -hmm. And if I love the fact that I need him, then I'm humble. Right? Yeah. I, think, I think that's yeah. a real kind of key point, that I've got to fall in love with the help that I need. 
that's when we really start to embrace uh, humility. Dang. You know, it's not just that I'm like, oh gosh, here are my weaknesses, Lord. You got to come and top top up what's missing in me. It's like, you know mm. what, Lord, I love the fact that I need to depend on you, because if I didn't have to depend on you, I'd walk away. You know, I, mm. I, I know what I'm like. And so, mm. you know, this thorn in the flesh, it just keeps me coming back to you and back to you and back to you and back to you. And that's when Paul goes, mm. well, it turns out that it's precisely because I'm weak that I'm actually strong. You know, I'm strong in my faith now because I know that I can't do it on my own. And so, you know, that mm. perfectionism, it becomes, it becomes a bit of a toxin then if it actually starts to stop me from contending mm. with my weaknesses or, or being able to recognize and admit my own weaknesses. Yeah, Father, you're just like spitting fire with Ooh. that. I, I love that quote with <laughs> fall in love with the help you need. Oh, man, I'm totally shook. Um, I just wanted to take it on the flip side, though. So what about for people who are so gripped um, with needing God's help in, in a twisted sense? By that, I mean, you know, what if they become super scrupulous or they lead or they view God as someone they need to impress or constantly be perfect for. Um, like, for example, when I was reading this book, and it's a wonderful book, um, it's called The Heart of Perfection by Colleen Carroll Campbell. And she describes St. Alphonsus. Um, he, he absolutely feared sexual sin to the point yeah. where you know, he was avoiding eye contact um, with women. Mm. You know, he tied his hands with, like in bags before he was sleeping just so not to touch himself like impurely. Like, <laughs> you know, that fear, is that another facet or manifestation of perfectionism, you mm. know? You're, you're perfecting yourself to this to the point where it's not even logical anymore mm. or it's not even it's like just beyond um it, it's beyond something like it's not even the right thing to do anymore yeah yeah it's it's actually it's, yeah you're right it's actually a manifestation of pride um now scruples um can be a bit Form. can be a bit untidy mm. right because yeah. i think here the spiritual and the psychological can start to overlap a little bit um, that, that someone who's particularly prone to scruples probably also might have difficulties with OCD in mm. some of the other aspects of their life. Father, can you um, also, that, um, can you just explain yeah. what scruples, mm. like scrupulosity means? Oh, well? okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so scruples, I mean, scruples is a bit of an old fashioned mm. term from um, sort of spiritual theology that, that looks at this kind of hyper attention to the danger of sin. Mm. Right. So, you know, as Irene was mentioning that that Alphonsus was like, oh, my gosh, the potential for me to sin at any given moment is so high that I've got to, you know, order and shape the way that I approach the world mm. in order to avoid sin at all costs. So, you know, if, if you're particularly scrupulous about sexual sin, for example, like you'll be walking down the street and it's like, oh, my gosh, I've just got to look at my shoes. I, I can't look up. I can't look up. I can't look up because you know I, I might just I might just catch a glimpse mm. of someone and find them attractive, and mm. then I'm done. You know, um, so you know we really approach the world um, firstly from a, a, a perspective of fear, but at bottom there's this idea that I've actually got to be perfect in myself and and by myself because here's the thing, like. You know, f first off, first off, it's like, okay, I've got to fix me. 
And the way that I fix me is by, you know, staring at my shoes and making sure that, you know, I do every single possible thing to make sure that I don't fall into this particular pattern of sin. And it's interesting because usually the obsession is about one kind of sin and not sin in general. So Alphonsus was focused on one thing, right, Um, Mm. which kind of shows that there's probably a bit of a psychological thing going on too. Um, But, you know, Mm, um, so there's firstly that aspect that I've got to be able to control it myself. But the flip side's a bit of a problem too. Well, who do you think God is? Do you think that God is the one who's measuring each and every moment of your attention to see whether or not you found a particular person attractive at any given moment and might possibly have lusted after him or her? And then, you know, he's standing there with a clicker going, well, that was one, that's two, that's three. (laughs) Holy moly, this ain't a good day for you, pal, you know. Um, It it starts to shape the way that you understand God himself. Um, and, and that's where, that's where kind of the pathology starts to, starts to dig in. And, you know, I think we can get a little bit like that with perfectionism, mm. that, you know, God is the one who is ultimately standing in judgment on everything that we do. Um, and if it's not perfect, then, well, maybe I shouldn't do it or maybe mm. I need to avoid it at all costs if I can't do it perfectly. And it's like, hang on a second, what's your picture of God here? Who do you think he is? Wow. Is is he the is he the judge and the taskmaster? Or is he the loving father who sees a finger painting that his child has done and sticks it on the fridge even though it doesn't look anything like a house? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And and father, I just really wanted to I suppose go back to the beginning when we say, you know, understanding what perfectionism is and Irene was saying that quote about you know, Jesus calling us to be perfect, right? And for my understanding, as I was growing more in my spiritual life, was to understand that God is calling us to a higher place, like what you were saying, like, he's calling us to excellence. And sometimes we're so stuck in our mediocre life that we don't want to attain that perfectionism. Mm. And I think there's a sense of accountability on our end that we need to whip our butt in shape, spiritual shape. Um, to be perfect because, you know, Jesus didn't say that for the sake of stressing us out and that we can be, you know, perfectionists in itself, but he calls us into that perfect state mm. because we can attain it. Um, and perfectionism, what it does is when I was saying before mm. that zero to a hundred, if I'm not going to make it to heaven, I might as well don't try. But mm. the call to holiness is that constant trying and God's grace to boost us up when we are in our weaknesses. Um, and I think, a lot of times when I'm kind of like wallowed up in my sin and I haven't made that mm. time to go to confession, that can really, um, that really helps me to remind myself that I can be perfect, just maybe not right now, but, you know, through God's grace, right? And that constant getting up again, like what St. Jose Maria is like, a saint is not someone that mm. um, never sins, but it's one that never fails to get back up again. Sure. Well, look, I mean, one thing, one thing I'd say to that, Mimi, is that I, I reckon sometimes we can get a bit of the wrong attitude about confession as well as a sacrament. Um, because, I mean, obviously, you know, you make a firm purpose of amendment, right? And, you know, promise never to sin again and blah, 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 blah. Like, what, am I, am I now going to get up from, you know, the confessional and be perfect from here on in? Mm. Like, what, what is it that's actually lacking in my life? I think sometimes we can think, well, all it is is white-knuckle determination. And if I try hard enough, then I'm actually going to be perfect. That 
is like, no, no, no. What what we actually need to recognize is that, you know, you don't look at confession as a like discrete set of parcels of time. And okay, I went to confession and then I f- started failing again. And then I went to confession and then started failing again. You know, we sort of get this picture of like, okay, well, we put the chalk marks up on the board and then we go to confession and wipe them out and then start, you know, putting them up again. It's like, mm, no, no, no. Yeah. This is all happening within the context of the progress of our life, right? I was like, you know what, Lord? I'm not finished yet. (laughs) I'm not done. I'm not the finished product. And here are my faults and here are my failings. And here's where I'm going to strive. Mm. You know, here's where I'm going to try. Like, I I leave the confessional still being me. Yes, strengthened by grace, absolutely, but still striving for excellence and still needing your grace, still depending on your your help. Um, and And that's a thing. It becomes a greater path to humility, first of all, like the recognition that, you know what, Lord, like white knuckle determination ain't going to do it for me. I I actually need you. Um, But then the flip side as well that, but I can actually make progress. You know, I can, I can do a little better, Lord. Um, You know, I, you know, I I can actually grow. And this is where, Mm. you know, you've got, um, you know, that great old saying that you let the perfect become the enemy of the good. That because it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it. And that I'll actually sacrifice something that's good just for the fact that it's not perfect. Mm. It's like, Lord, you know, the, the, Lord, the Lord will let us make progress. And, and you know what? Sometimes even slow progress. But like mm. St. Paul was saying to the Corinthians, right? Well, what's the fruit of that? As humility. Mm. I, I, I suddenly discover that I, I've actually got to hang on to God with both hands. Um, and, you know, me sort of getting up from the confessional going, well, I've just got to try harder again. It's like, y- you, mate, you're locked in your pride. Mm. You're locked in your pride and you- you're going to be back here all over again with the same list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just wanted to follow up with that question. Well, I just wanted to follow up with a question that I get sometimes um, by people who are, you know, they want to do good, right? But then they're just like, you know what, Mimi? Um I don't see the point of going to confession. Mm, I just yes. keep coming back to it oh. and I keep repeating the same sins. So what's the point anymore? And I think that's a part of the perfectionism getting into them, right? It's about kind of keeping yes. them away from the confession because they're like, well, I'm not going to be perfect. Why should I keep trying? Right. And so what encouragement mm. would you say to that? Okay. Well, first off, mm. if your confession doesn't change from, you know, sort of month to month or however often you go, um, firstly, be grateful. Because if your confession was different every single time, you got a lot of problems. <laughs> you know, your issues have just exploded. What if people do have a lot of problems, though, Father? Uh, some people do have a lot of problems. But you know what? Like, that's what that's what grace is for, right? Yeah, so that's first true. off, um, you know, first off, okay, you know what? Like, uh, my, my weaknesses are my weaknesses, and they're probably going to press on me, mm-hmm. you know, from – you know, one month to the next, in, in which case I'm probably going to say the same thing. But um, what what is confession? Like it's not just that moment where you wipe off, you know, the, the, the chalk marks from the board and go, okay, well, let's just start again. Um, it's also the sacrament of healing. It's like it, it's the moment mm-hmm. when I come to it's the moment when I come to God and it's not, it's not just, all right, Lord, let's start the tally again. But Lord, like mm-hmm. here's where it hurts. Like, here's, it, it's a visit to the doctor. And what does the doctor say? Well, tell me where it hurts. You know what, Lord? It hurts right here. 
Here's where I need your help. Here's where I need your grace. Here's where I need your healing touch. Um, and I think one of the beautiful things about the, the catechism of the church is that it lists confession among the sacraments of healing. Mm. And so it, it's, mm. it's there in order to strengthen us. And it's like, well, where do you need strength? Where you're weak. That's where you need your strength. Um, and so, you know, I think the other aspect as well is that sometimes we're just not that smart in the way in which we combat sin. Like if there is a particular weakness that's that's pressing upon me, um, often we just sort of go, oh, well, I'll just try harder next time. It's like, no, no, don't be, don't be silly. <laughs> like you've got to play the game differently in order to get a different result. So what are you going to change? What's going to be different about the way that you approach your problem? Um, and I, I think sometimes we forget to add, um, you know, a little bit of cunning because um, I, I tell you what, mm. I tell you what, I, I, not not to get sort of overly sort of spiritual warfare on on you, but um, the <laughs> devil's the devil's always trying to pull you into the battleground where he beats you all the time, mm. and that's the trouble. Mm-hmm. Like he'll dra- mm-hmm. he'll drag you, yes. yeah, he'll he'll drag yep. you into temptation because that's exactly where he knows he can yep. beat you. And it's like, well, why do I keep going oh and fighting the battle on his yeah. turf? Mm. I, I've actually mm-hmm. got I've got to play smarter. So, you know, well, mm. where is it that I'm tempted? Uh, I'm actually going to deal with my, you know, weaknesses in the places where I'm strongest. So, you know, temptation's not the time when you should be making decisions. It's like, oh, now that I'm tempted, what will I do? What will I do? It's like, no, nah, you need a plan <laughs> in place. You know, once, once you're tempted, your next decision's going to be pretty bad, right? Mm. Okay, so make your decisions before you're tempted. All right, when things are going to get difficult for me, here's what I'm going to do. Step one, I'm going to try this. If it doesn't go away, then I'm going to try this. If it doesn't go away, then I'm going to try this. You know, cool. I'm just going to yeah. you know, practically step one, step two, step three, step four. Um, and at least then I've got a plan. Mm. And then when I'm tempted, yeah. I'm not making decisions. I'm not making choices. I'm going, oh, I know what to do. Step one. Uh, oh, okay, that didn't work. You okay, you know what? Process. Step two. Yeah. Trust the <laughs> process. You make your own process and you follow it. <laughs> You're a cleric, aren't you, Mimi? <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's it. It's still going. It's I'm still just, going. As you're speaking, I'm literally thinking about like a flow chart and I'm like, okay, yeah. and then I do this and then I do this. <laughs> but you know, you, know, you know what it is? Plan your work and work your plan. Yeah, I love it. Oh, <laughs> that fills me up, Father. But look, I mean, from a, from a simple from a simple kind of practical perspective, I, we're actually not straying too far from the question of perfectionism, right? Because you know, I, I can I can actually start to you know address some of my weaknesses, yeah. knowing that okay, a little bit of slow progress is good. You know, I'm not I'm not going to you mm-hmm. know kick my habit from one confession to the next. And I tell you what, like that actually can be a real manifestation <laughs> of pride. You know, mm. I shouldn't have to be the kind of yeah. person that struggles with this. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know what? You are. You oh, are. Yeah. That you found hard. your thing. <laughs> you found your thing. You found your weakness. You found your cross. Um, oh, in that's which so case, relatable. <laughs> yeah, in, in which case, I need to be content to make some slow progress because I need to fall in love with the truth about myself. And I need to have a passionate love for the help that I need to overcome my weaknesses. Um, mm. And you know what? It might well be slow progress. And it might well be that what you need is, you know, a regular confessor, someone that you can go to sort of and say, hey, Father, look, you know where I've come mm. from for the last few months. Um, 
this is where I'm still at and this is where I'm yeah. making progress. This is where things are getting a little better. This is where things are still a little bit hard, you know. Mm. Um, and, and to actually insert your confession within the context of, you know, sort of your entire life. Because I tell you what, this is a real game. And priests are on to you, by the way. Don't think you're getting <laughs> away with this. But, you know, planting your confessions around different places, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'll go to this priest this week, this priest this week, this priest this week. Actually, I've done that. I told him that sin last time. I need to go they to a different one. They know the game, guys. They know the game. Don't, don't put on a fake voice. We know that game too. Oh, gosh. No, no, no. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. so funny. Yeah, see, Mimi, you need to keep working on your Irish accent. <laughs> Don't put on a Filipino accent. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to make it really Filipino next time. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, look. Only work I'll, on I'll my be, English accent next time. Look, look, just to, just to give a little bit of clarification about the sacrament of confession. If you, go to a, if you go to a priest anonymously, the priest will always treat you anonymously. He won't sort of go, mm. oh, look, Rosalind, I know it's you, so, you know, you may as well just come around the curtain. It's mm. like, no, 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 no. If, the, a, a priest will always respect your anonymity. But I think sometimes there's that element of humility that says, um, mm. you know what, I, I actually can face up to my sins, even the ones that are kind of like, you know, sort of quote, unquote, the dirtiest, the ones that I want to yeah. conceal the most, the ones that I want to hide the most, bring it out and say, you know what, Father, this is me. Um, oh, and it's so I can, scary. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you that within the last four or five confessions, one of the penitents will have said exactly what you just said. Comforting. Because you know what? Mm. You're not, you know what? You're not that special. Mm-hmm. I hate I hate to say it. This, this Aww, is dang it. No, seriously, this is the thing. This is the thing <laughs> that, that happens. Mama said. <laughs> Mom told me. <laughs> no, but you know what? That's also pride. That's also pride mm-hmm. that says, you know what? My my sins mm-hmm. are so particular yeah. and unique. And you know what? It's it's actually you know sort of the devil kind of nattering in your ear a little bit, going, oh, but don't you know that yours are particularly mm-hmm. bad? Or don't you know that yours are, you know, especially kind of unique? And it's like, no, you're not. The fact is, is that sin is boring. Like it all, seriously, like our weaknesses are boring. They always tend to one direction. I I I tell you what's exciting Grace. Mm. Grace is what's new. Grace is what's creative. Grace is what opens up a future that you can't predict. Sin just takes you to one place. You, you know exactly where that goes, mm. you know, and, and like we fall into it over and over and over again. But you know what? Like to be able to go, hey, all right, <laughs> here's my weakness. It's mine. You know, um, I wish it wasn't. I'm not proud of it, but I can love the fact that this is the very thing that is going to be my path to holiness. And, yeah. and you know, if I think if, if a perfectionist needs to hear anything, it's that your weakness is actually the path to your holiness your strength is not you know your strength isn't what's going to make you holy it's your weakness that's going to make you holy because that's where your grace is going to you know be most active that's paul right paul's going hey look thorn in the flesh that's the very thing that makes me humble and Mm -hmm. makes me depend on god and what's holiness total dependence on god yeah. That's the that's the paradox. We think that the weakness is the very thing that's holding us back. And you know what? Sometimes God will actually let us struggle with our weaknesses. 
because you know okay he he mm. wants me to be chaste but he also wants me to be humble so maybe through my struggle for chastity he won't just give me the virtue of chastity but he'll also give me the virtue of humility oh wow he's not done he's not done giving me grace he'll sense. actually yeah. through mm. my struggle make me humble oh. because chastity's not enough I think you said, to go back on your point, Father, I think you said something really good, uh, practical, though, for um, people who who actually fear about doing confession with somebody that they, um, a priest that they know, or that mm. a spirit, or getting a spiritual director, um, that could be your regular confessor, because I think that's a, a, a great fear that a lot of people tell me that, um, mm. or, you know, Father so-and-so know me, or it's too, it's too embarrassing, um, or it's, it, it, or it's like, oh, he'll, like, he'll, 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 like, um, say all these things yeah. about me, and there's a sense of fear, mm. and I think, um, and I think there's that, um, I guess what you were saying, like, it gives you just more of that abundant self to be able to accept, you know, yourself fully with somebody on this on this journey that you actually want to confront um, fully. And for me, for instance, like I've actually, it, it really, really does help to nut down what it is that's really like stopping me from actually receiving God's full grace for me. Um, because a lot of it, was for me like comparing myself to other people's vocations and not getting to where I want to be. And then so I guess that that point of jealousy became like a bit of a journey mm. to kind mm. of confront. Um, but as, it, as it's been like confessed like constantly and, you know, allowing God's grace to kind of, you know, be able to um, oversee that, um, it, it actually – actually really does help confront it when it actually happens so then you know when I hear other news or you see something on Facebook it's like it doesn't really affect me anymore because you've you've kind of mm. you've kind of gone through this journey with somebody to actually help you through it and it doesn't it doesn't even sting anymore yeah. it's amazing how when it when you actually go through it somebody it's like oh is that it yeah mm. yeah well, I mean, look, I mean, I don't want to embarrass you, Rosalind, but you're growing in humility. No, no. So, no, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so good. I'm, I'm getting really good at humility. Like, congratulations. But, you know, you know um, that, that point that you made, though, about, um, you know, sort of having a regular confessor or a spiritual director or something, um, I, think, I think there's something that, something quite powerful that happens in the midst of that relationship because, mm. you know, when... I re so, okay, first off, if you're afraid about confessing your real sins to a priest, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, usually Fulton Sheen used to describe um, hearing the confessions of nuns as being like being stoned with popcorn. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, and he used to say that. <laughs> you know what? Like, like sometimes like, I, I, I appreciate, like before I was ordained a priest, the only confession I heard was my own. Um, mm. But having mm. be, having been ordained, it suddenly gave me a whole new perspective on on the reality of of um, you know how a priest approaches the question of, of mm. personal sin. Because here's the thing: like you're sitting in the confession, I was like, "Oh, bless me, Father, for I've sinned." Oh, look, um, I haven't really done anything um, to be perfectly honest. Like, you know, I've been, I've been pretty good. And you know, you know what? It's like at that point that the priest is actually like, "Well, get out! Like, don't waste my time. Like, if you're not actually here to confess, like." You know, the line's long, you know, on your bike sort of mm. thing. Like, But when someone comes in and goes, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, you know what? 
this is me. This is my heart. These are my struggles. This is where I keep falling. This is where I keep failing. I'm not happy about it. I wish it weren't the case. Mm. And I'm really sorry for it. And I really want Mm. to move. You know, I want to get out of the hole that I'm in. You know, whatever the content of that confession, when someone comes with a great desire to encounter Christ, to receive his mercy and to move forward, that's extraordinary. And, you know, it's it's the real confessions where a priest isn't sort of going, oh, gee, wow, I didn't know you did that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the moment where it's like, holy moly, look at what Christ is accomplishing. Like the wow, very yeah. fact that you're here means that grace has already been working and, and Jesus is just drawing you into his life. Um, and, you know, as, you know, just sort of the bloke sitting on the other side of the screen, um, I'm like, I, I can't believe that. Jesus allows me to sit here and to be involved Mm. in this moment of grace, right? So if you're worried that the priest is going to hear what you've done and go, it's like, no, like he's he's not that stupid. He knows you're there in order to confess. He already knows you're a sinner. And to be perfectly honest, he's heard it all before because you're not that Mm. special. Um, (laughs) So you know what? Like just let it all out. But here's the thing. Yeah. When, as you were saying, Rosalind, like when you establish that relationship, you know, with a regular confessor or a spiritual director or something, you know, in those moments when I really sort of show myself and expose myself, and the priest loves you anyway, that becomes quite a powerful moment, you know, and and something of an expression of of, of God's love. I, th- I think that's you know, part of the experience of the sacrament of confession of like, well, I didn't, I'm not, I'm not disgusted by your sinfulness. Mm. I'm actually hopeful for the future. And I'm, you know, I'm, I believe that you can be more. Um, And, you know, I think if we're, if we're sort of concealing sort of the worst of it, or, you know, imagining that, you know, father couldn't possibly or whatever, it's like, oh, you know what, like, I'm actually just locking myself up in my own pride and I'm I'm holding myself back from the freedom that humility actually brings. That's the thing. Like, you know, when we talk about this whole thing about being perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, the Lord isn't putting, the Lord isn't putting a heavy burden on our backs. He's not sort of going, okay, getting perfect. That's going to be the thing that makes life really, really hard for you. No, it's the opposite. Excellence is the very thing that makes life easy. Like you know, you look at a you look at a pianist, right? Like a, a you know one of the you know great concert pianists. Like they've got a tremendous freedom in the way in which they play the piano. They're not sort of sitting there going, okay, which key next? Which key next? Which key next? It's like nah, like the piano has just become so beautiful and so easy for them. Like the excellence that they've achieved. Okay, it's come through a lot of hard work and a lot of practice, but it's the very thing that's made them free to play the piano. Well, the same in our in our own lives, right? Like when Jesus says, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect," He's not saying, "I'm I'm going to make life really difficult for you." He's actually, "I'm going to put you on the path that makes life so easy and beautiful." Mm. You know, like a like a pianist playing the piano. You know, like um, you know, mm. a, a, you know, like LeBron playing basketball. Like he he's just got he's just got a freedom in the court, right? Um, that's that's the beauty. Um, so, you know, I, I think that perfectionism is going to hold us back from that true excellence mm. because we're not going to want to, you know, engage in those things where we're not already perfect. 
Father Peter, thank you so much. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to be crying. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to control myself, but thank you so much for. Yeah, I think it's so beautiful to hear those words. I think everyone longs to hear those words that they are unconditionally loved, and to know that you know our priests are that extension of God's love. Yeah, you know, even in our deepest sins. Oh, man, I'm, like, ugly crying right now. Um, you know, like, thank you so much for your, you know, your priesthood. And just to remind how much that our priests are an extension of our our Heavenly Father, you know, like, mm. we're so blessed. And I think those words really just warmed my heart, I, I can honestly say, you know, just to hear that despite hearing all our faults, literally the worst of the worst of ourselves, <laughs> the priest still chooses to listen to us and still chooses mm. to to face us after we walk out of that booth. Mm. Um, that's unconditional love, isn't it? You know, like that's the love that we mm. all want and crave for. So, um, you know, thank you, Father Peter. And, you mm. know, um, you're doing such amazing work for the Church of Adelaide. Um, anyways, I'm going to stop talking now because <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> anyways, we can stop. <laughs> no, but I was actually, out of everything that you've actually said, Father, um, I actually think after, every, like I've actually learned really, that perfectionism, the perfectionism really just in like in highlights the word hope. Mm. Um, that out of everything is that there is hope that we can strive mm. for excellence. Like our Heavenly Father just really wants us, yeah, to really mm. be, to achieve where he is perfect and to achieve, um, you know, greatness for us to really truly strive for sainthood. That's mm. really where he wants us to get us and to really sanctify our lives for the better. He wants mm. us to see the true beauty of our lives that we truly are often blinded by mm. and, you know, through these kind of um, aspects and everything that you've said, Father, is like a true kind of ability for us to keep hoping, keep, um, and that's something that all of us, or for uh, deep in my heart, is that you know we always pray for an increase of hope. Mm. Oh man! Anyways, just one last thing from me, um, Father. I just I really love that quote that you said: "Fall in love with the help that you need." I just. It's just a perfect way to just sum this all up. Um, And I think we've touched on so many things today and so many profound things in in regards to perfection. So, Father, I just wanted to extend our thanks on behalf of me Mm. and the girls um, for your your counsel, your wise words of wisdom, your, your absolute top-notch banter (laughs) and we we can't wait we can't wait um for all our listeners to you know join you on your podcast so guys for any of you listening out there um tune into father peter's podcast it's called corona of thorns um and each day father gives us a a brief and passionate and fiery homily and then you know the readings of the day and the gospel of the yes. day so join him on that but um just to end father thank you so much for for joining us and the girls we are truly truly honored to know you um and to be a part of your spiritual family um even though me and mims are all the way in different states we feel like um you know we're your spiritual children in a different land um virtual version but anyway <laughs> 
Yeah, virtual <laughs> parishioners. <laughs> and until we can join you again in Adelaide, um, we miss you very, very much. And thank you so much for your your yeah. witness and your humility and your guidance on perfectionism. Can't wait to see you guys and thanks for having us. Alrighty, guys. Well, we're signing off. We'll see you soon in our next episode. See ya. Bye. Can I say laters? Yep. Hey, Ross, can I say laters? Yeah, go. Laters. (laughs) Laters. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Roz. Thank you for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing with a mate. We also ask that you rate and comment on iTunes so this can be recommended to others who are also on the journey striving for heaven. Catch you next time on Interior Castle Podcast.